Welcome to In the Village, a Prisoner Introcast. Uh, this week we are doing the episode of The Girl Who Was Death. But first, my name is Shane, as in joined by Aaron. Salutations, everybody. John. Hello. And our guest, the lovely Lynette. Hello, everyone. How are you? Uh, as, you're, as you've never been on the show before, Lynette, uh, can you tell everyone where we can find you on the internet? Well, you can find me all over the internet, but I am a co-host and editor for Clone Density, an intro cast. That was started by our own Bob DeGrand, and we just finished up, and we're all just kind of languishing around trying to figure out what to do with ourselves. I also have my own podcast uh, that is for uh, the bisexual community, The Bicast. You can find me at www.thebicast.org or clonedanceparty.wordpress.com. Excellent, yes, excellent, yes. They are both amazing podcasts. I've had the pleasure of appearing on uh, Clone Dance Party at least, what, four or five times now. Yes, you've been like emergency Shane to the rescue a couple times, I think. He's our Sergeant Drano. (laughs) 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 Very good. So we start, as always, with the TV war synopsis, and it says, The prisoner meets the girl who believes they are made for each other. He is a born survivor, and she is a born killer. It's quite a challenge. (laughs) So, overall, what did you guys think? I felt like it was a running Mel Gibson gag at certain points in this film. (laughs) Uh, This episode. Uh are we sure Mel, Mel Brooks didn't direct this one? I'm, I'm pretty sure he probably did. Yeah. <laughs> no, because uh, then it would have been funny. <laughs> uh, would you be surprised that they wanted to do this as a two-parter? No. I, I saw that. Which is interesting, considering this was the shortest script out of any of the episodes. Yeah. And they, yeah, still, so... they still cut out pages. Yeah. There was just a lot of running around, wasn't there? Yeah. <sighs> They wanted to do a uh, edited together to a single feature for a theatrical release, Ace of the UK, akin to the two-part story from The Baron, Man in Suitcase, and The Saint. Uh, but when they asked uh, Lou Gray to finance it, mm-hmm. uh, they got told no. <laughs> yeah, Lou, yeah, yeah, Lou Gray knocked it on the head and refused to put up the money because he could not say that a part of a part of a package. It did have a real promo kind of feel to it, didn't it? And a whole lot of smirk. Smirk, smirk, smirk. Yeah, so, uh, and it also was a, originally a Danger Man story. Yep. Was it a Danger Man story? Originally, I got, I yeah. got that, I got that I whole thought, vibe. Yeah, I got that vibe off it, too. I was going like, ooh, are we on The Prisoner, or are we t- with John back in London? I wasn't sure what, what the heck was going on. <laughs> So, so yeah. obviously, this means you know, prisoner danger man link confirmed. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, the debate yeah, is yeah. over, people. Yeah, the debate is over. <laughs> uh, to quote, da- uh, to quote, uh, Road to Town freely, they thought they had been knocked in the village up to that point, and it was getting boring. Well, <laughs> they needed oh. to get out and about a bit. Yeah. Well, like like you 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 and Bob had said back in the first episode, it's not exactly a very large place. No, yeah. no. I mean, there's only so many places you can go. Yeah. So many times. 
So uh, we start uh, with the opening sequence, which is the full opening sequence, which we haven't seen in about three or four episodes. Hey! Yes, that, yes. Was, very re- that was very refreshing to see the uh, opening again. And then we cut to a person reading a, what looks like a children's book, mm-hmm. and we cut into a cricket ground. Yes. Well, state, I still have no idea how cricket is scored and or played. Yes, could could as, as the registered Englishman on the on yeah. the podcast, Shane, yes. could you please take a moment and explain what the hell cricket is? Okay, uh, cricket is like uh, baseball. Uh, we've we've got uh, two people with bats. Uh, and you hit the ball. Uh, how it's scored is that if you hit um, the bat with the ball, you can you can run between the two wickets and it scores a run. Uh, there is an outlying field. If you hit the ball so it goes out of the ground without bouncing, it's an automatic six runs. Oh, okay. how- bouncing. It's like a fly ball. Yeah. Basic, okay. basic, basically, yeah, it's like a home run. Basically, okay, it's so, so, one point so, at six. So, yes, it's, so three days you have two wickets. Sorry? Right? You're, you're breaking up in that, sorry. And so instead of having three bases, you have two wickets? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so if it goes out the ground without bouncing, it's, a, it's automatic at six runs. If it goes out the ground with bouncing, it's an automatic four runs. Okay. So you can score runs without actually having to run. Yeah. Okay. That's why in this episode it goes from 89 to 93. To 99. To 99 within two balls. Oh, okay. All right. And part of the uniform is a handlebar mustache? (laughs) Not really, no. No, that's just just the colonel. Yes. (laughs) Who neither says nor does anything in this episode. Nothing. Except wink. He winks. Oh, he did wink. He did. Yes. yes. And, and blew, he immediately and he blew, exploded. And, and he blew up. He did that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. So, was, so I was just really, like, fascinated with the fact that he went from being in a bar, drinking poison and making himself throw up, to yeah. then being Sherlock Holmes, just like that. <laughs> There's a reason for that, actually. Yeah, was there? Yeah, there is, yeah. Yes. The reason the reason for that is that Patrick McGowan was doing uh, where was it where was it Ice Station Zebra Yeah, thank you. I st- yeah, he was doing Ice Station Zebra, and so in order to be able to have his double in, they came up with the Sherlock Holmes disguise for oh, the fact oh, that they oh. could have his double in and keep going rather than sit around and wait for Patrick McGowan to be able to come back into studio. Oh, okay. So there is a reason, but it's kind of like was like went from one thing to the other without any explanation but that's okay yeah it was so we uh, are at the cricket ground and uh, the the uh, colonel gets blown up by the ball one shot of the century damn good damn bad luck I would also like to point out that if if the ball has enough you know volatile explosives to explode when it's hit with the cricket bat it yes. should have exploded when the guy caught it Yes. Yes. But as we see later, it doesn't seem to be impact related. It seems to be time related. Like there seems to be a certain amount of time. Or maybe it's just a really, you know, creepy close up on a guy throwing a uh, cricket ball. You get that twice. Yes. Reused film footage? What? Never. Not in this show. No. Never, Never in The Prisoner. No. Yes. 
and the bowler was paid by a gentleman named John Drake. So I'm assuming the bowler is the pitcher, right? Sorry? Yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. And the, yeah. And the bowler's name was, was played by a guy named John Drake? Yep. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, really? I wonder Serendipity, if... I guess. Yeah, I guess. Well, the IMDb trivia on that is that, yes, John Drake's name is the name of the character in Danger Man, but yeah. possibly the true identity of number six in the show. Magoon yeah. hired Drake because he was amused by the coincidence. Yes, he oh, was. Play? Yeah. That's the IMDb trivia anyway on it. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I've got here as well. Um, so that's, uh, the colonel gets blown up, and then we cut to, well, number six, reading a newspaper. And he goes over to um, Potter to get his shoes cleaned. And, of course, Potter was the character in Danger Man. Oh, so I watched the Danger Man, excuse me, Danger Man uh, when I was a child. All I remember is, you know, Secret Danger Man. That's all I remember. I don't remember the characters. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so does the whole... John Drake being number six come from this one episode? No. <laughs> uh, there is something which I'll get to in our last episode, which I won't talk about here. Mm, okay. Um, but yeah, so he gets his instructions uh, after after Potter's cleaned his shoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, where was he walking? Yeah. I think it's best not to ask those kind of questions. Yeah, I don't, yes. Yeah, walking around 12th in London. Yeah, central London. And then he goes into the record shop, and he picks up the record. After doing the most conspicuous tie flip ever. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. that was so, yeah, that was so down <laughs> on, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm not well, conspicuous. Of course not. Yes. Who is this conspicuous you speak of? Yes. Yeah. And he gets instructions from his boss on the record player, who surprisingly talks back to him. Yes. Or he recorded it in a way that he knew he would talk back to him. Yes. That's, that's, that's very, very true. But yes, I thought that was quite hilarious. The music in the record shop kind of reminds me of some music from Twin Peaks. Mm. Yeah, the twin, it's sort of a Twin Peaks vibe 30 years before Twin Peaks even existed. So you're saying it's all downhill from here, right? <laughs> <laughs> something like that, yeah, something like that. Um, so, uh, so we cut back to the cricket ground, and number six almost gets blown up by the cricket ball. Wearing the most ridiculous mutton chops ever. Exactly. Exactly, and he catches um, Sonia... Uh, he catches and, the ball and then throws it away, and everybody's like, "Oh my God, what are you doing?" Yeah, so I was always yeah. going to say that he catches he catches uh, Sandra changing the ball. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he gets taken over to the pub, the and pub. yep, and he, he has the incredibly classic scene of him drinking the. He drinking I just want to say, with that explosion, there is no way that that handkerchief is still intact. There's just no way. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, it definitely would have caught on fire. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so he's taken to so he's taken to the pub, and he ta- has a point, and he figures out he's poisoned from the point. So he now, now, to, as ridiculous uh, as setting that up would be, 
I still have to say, it's, that is actually a pretty cool moment where you finish off the glass and it says you have just been poisoned on the inside. <laughs> yeah. I want a glass that says that just for just for giggles. <laughs> give it to people you don't like. <laughs> just give it to people I don't like at parties. Yeah, you can. You can. Uh, apparently, there are things you can do actually with that. Which is uh, just just Google search it. I'm sure you'll be able to find it quite easily. Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure there's there's a whole whole market for them actually. Yeah. Well, considering uh, it's on, it's on. This is why I'm broke. dot com. Uh, anyway. But forget yeah, the poison. The, the sheer amount of alcohol he then drinks immediately afterwards is going to kill him anyway. Yeah, that's yes. true. That's the yes. whole time I was like, I get what you're doing with this, but that that amount of alcohol is just going to kill you. Yeah, the uh, the pub uh, was unfortunately demolished in 1989. Oh, oh, that's that's sad. Because it was, um, yeah, because uh, it was just down the road from the main studios. So quite a few famous celebrities would stay there where they were filming um, TV shows and films. So it's a bit of a who's who over this. So um, Clint Eastwood stayed there. Elizabeth Taylor stayed there. Uh, Richard Burton stayed there as well. And they tore it down? They tore it down. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So... The steward manager alcohol he drinks, so he decides to, uh, uh, so he decides to be sick. Well, he he, you know, he figures out he's been poisoned, and then, yeah. you know, thinking he needs to get it out of his system, he drinks yeah. all the other alcohol to get himself yeah. to throw up. Yeah. But you know, just from that sure volume that he drinks, he'd still be buzzed. I'm sorry. Randy Whiskey Vodka, Drambuie, at least six other things after that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Grand Marnay and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. You know, and if that that show had been on today, they would have shown him throwing up, not just washing his face. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they would have, have and everything. everything. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so we take. You'll so make we, yourself sick. That's the point. Yes, definitely. So he's taken to. The, so he's been told to go to the Turkish baths, and in the meantime, he decides to change costume into a Sherlock Holmes outfit. Also, he is sitting in you know one of those. I don't know what those cabinets are called, but you know, basically just pump steam out to you to get you yeah, sweat. Yeah, and he's yeah, sitting, yeah, yeah. You know, he, he's sitting in there <laughs> in all that wool, and he's not sweating. Yes, man made of ice. <laughs> yes, that's hilarious. And I'm just trying to wonder. So I wonder. So she sends him to a turkey bath, and so he just. Uh, volunteers to get into one, or I just don't understand the logic of just go to the Turkish, Turkish bath. She didn't say get in something. It was just weird. That's true. Also, um, I'm pretty sure that that uh, I don't remember which which James Bond movie it is, but there's a, there's a scene in a James Bond movie that's very similar to that, where he ends up like trapping a guy in one of those and then like kills him or something. I don't remember, but uh, yeah. That whole scene reminded me of that James Bond. <laughs> Sorry, tangent. Yes. Um, so <laughs> she traps him. She traps him in the, the Turkish bath, and he escapes. After putting a little bubble on his head. Yeah, yeah. a bubble yeah. on his head, and underneath there was that little opening in the Turkish. Well, he's not like sucking. There's air through, right? So I wasn't sure what the bubble was for. For looks, I guess, right? Oh, but yes. <laughs> I don't know. It was the 60s. 
Dead. I don't. I don't think they even knew what they were doing back then. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody was high. Well, that's true. I, so I just, he, I just love during the boxing match here that it goes into. The, the the referee takes off his glasses, but lets him keep the hat on. Like, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. So, absolutely bizarre. And um, yeah, so he's been told to go to the boxing match, and now he suddenly in the boxing in the in the actual boxing match itself. Yes, because you know, just sitting in the audience means that you get to uh, participate in the boxing match. Yes. And I'm not. What, yeah. What was the point of the old lady being there? Why was she disguised as the old lady and just like touching him, and then she was all dressed up again? And what, did anybody know why? Was that just supposed to be intriguing? Probably. Uh, I don't know because he got all the information he needed from the the boxer, so it wasn't like yeah. he was leaving him a note or anything. Yeah. yeah. I think she just liked to watch her handiwork in action. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he gets knocked out by the boxer, and he's he's told to go to the uh, tunnel of love. Ooh. Tunnel of love. Tunnel of love. That's yeah. not a cliche or anything. Nope. Which looks surprisingly similar to the uh, tunnel that we see later in the episode <laughs> that goes underneath <laughs> his house. <laughs> really? Well, they're gonna be reusing sets. What are you talking about? <laughs> that would be a first. They'd never remove. They'd never reuse sets on this show. Nah. <laughs> and we get like that really awesome camera work of faces on the wall, and then hers. Uh, wasn't that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was quite entertaining. Then uh, he's the um, throwing a little voice box in the back, which he hears, and uh, throws it in the water and. It, and the kablooies. Because everything yeah. explodes in this episode. Everything explodes. Yeah, exactly. Everything does explode. Yeah, exactly. Um, I believe it is at, at this point where you get a uh, deleted scene, which is probably my favorite deleted scene from the entire series. Um, so we um, imagine this. Uh, number six goes to the maze, which is a copy of the one at Hampton Court. Oh yeah, the psych, the psychedelic that cutscene. Yeah, uh, which includes a um, a uh, person, a six, a thirty-six a foot tall man on a circuit stilts wearing a frock cape and top hat, levering a machine gun. Wait, what? Uh, what? <laughs> a thirty-six-foot man. A 36-foot-tall man on circus stilts wearing a frock cap and top hat. With a machine gun? Yeah. Why didn't they leave that in? Jeez. Because the long version of this would never sell. A New Guinean headhunter brandishing a uh, panga. Okay. I'm assuming that's a spear, right? Yeah. uh, Uh, A a panga is like a... um, it's like a machete, except it has like a really fat, wide blade that ends in a like a solid, like right angle. Oh, okay. Uh, he heard the revolver lying and sh- shinned up a tree, only to see a domestic tabby um, paired out the jungle and go past, roaring like a big cat. Okay. Uh, so, was, uh, was this the episode where they just took all the unused ideas from the rest of the series and just like let's just go with it? Or I think they just. 
sat down with the writers and sat down a round table and dressed it. Something like that, yeah. Uh, a brightly colored parrot uh, giving him directions. I feel like this is the point they realize they're not getting a second a second series and said, fuck it, let's just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this, this is what this is beginning to sound like this is the point in the production cycle they're told we're not renewing this for a series 2 so let's just do go all out yep aww <laughs> yep so yes uh the maze is normal but turning a corner the hedge vanished and number 6 found himself in a jungle of dense undergrowth being attacked by the aforementioned uh, New Guinean headhunter. So yes, quite bizarre. <sighs> yes. Anyway, back to the actual proper episode. Okay. Uh, number six is looking for um, the girl via some really, really bad CSO. I mean, they couldn't actually film him in the amusement park. Uh, no, because um, it's it, uh, all the long shots of the do- um, are Patrick McGowan's double. Um, oh, oh, so all okay. the close-ups are uh, CSO or whatever they had at the time, okay. which is color, which is color separation overlay or yeah. blue screen, as it is now known. Yeah. Um, well, that would explain him standing in. Are we at the carnival, right? Standing there in the carnival, looking around, so he's not walking around yeah. and acting very badly. And yeah. it's like really. <laughs> yeah. Basically, so yeah, so uh, he goes on a water ride, and he she seems to be appearing in places that she shouldn't be because she can uh, teleport. Exactly, he he thinks she's he thinks she's found her, but he hasn't because there's another woman who looks exactly like her. Conveniently, yeah, and gets chastised by um, the that camera- cameraman. That cameraman just goes off on this ridiculous rant. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah, and that cameraman was played by Alex's Canner, who we saw last week as the kid. <laughs> I think that just makes me glad he didn't talk as the kid last week. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So yeah, he he is uncredited in this particular role. Well, I'm sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I got nothing. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so uh, a little bit more running around. I, I just, I just have to say, if they had sped this up anymore, just throwing the Benny Hill theme music in here would fit perfectly. It would have fit perfectly. Also, this sequence, you know, this is probably the the second longest, you know, sequence. Either beside the Kashu thing, this yeah. scene drags on way too long. Yeah, I know. Literally, I kept this time. time. Yeah, I kept the time. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we've we have a car chase scene. Yeah, car chase. And I'm I'm disappointed he is not driving his little um, kit car. Mm-hmm. You mean his Otis Seven? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so he, mm-hmm. uh, Death decides to pull some jiggery pokery. What what was up with that? I was so confused. yes, I know, I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I just came out of no- left field. <laughs> Like round in a circle. <laughs> yes, I haven't got a canoe unless I've made a note down here, which I no, I haven't. Yes. Um, 
not not only is she the girl that that that, that was named Death, she suddenly has psychic powers to be able to make him think he's going up down loop de loop. Yes. 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 Just with her finger. And they never come back to the, that. I mean, they they never give any explanation of that what whatsoever. An after yeah. effect of the poison and the beer that was like Possibly. six hours ago. I... <laughs> uh, no, the only note I've got is that um, the car chase was far shorter than it was on screen. Contu- conducted at 110 miles an hour, uh, quickly leading to Witchwood without the strange spinning sequence. <laughs> Well, that would have made sense. Yes, I know. We uh, we get to uh, Witchwood, and he pulls up, and we find a baker's, a butcher's, and a candlestick maker's. Baker's. Uh-huh. With some absolutely strange names, which well, I was they, they were all Imagine. puns, weren't they? They were. Uh-huh. David Doe, the baker. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Brendan Bore, the family butcher. So, yeah. They're all puns. Yeah, I'm assuming they shot that on the back lot, didn't they? Uh, I believe... Leonard Snuffet handles it. Yeah. I believe so. Let me just double-check my uh, filming locations. Um, uh, y- uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, which were filmed in the French, ba- French Street Battle of MGM. Seen yeah. at the right. Seen at the end of A, B, and C. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. So, yeah. And the town of Witchwood is no- the name of a novel by John Buchan, the spot, the Scottish spy writer better known for The 39 Steps. Oh. oh I did not know that myself. Oh, there's, the IMD- there's the IMDb trivia there. Okay, cool. Brilliant. So he decides to um, break in. And, yeah, so he- we have a... F- well, he takes a flying leap at that door. And yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if it was just me, but it didn't seem like that door was that, you know, well-supported. Plus, he didn't even go up and, like, try the handle, see if it was open. No, just <laughs> yeah. straight in. Yeah. Yeah. Very good point. And he is shot, or he's uh, almost shot by a machine gun. He was on a, on a rotating um, um, movement-sensitive uh, light B. This is one of those. This is one of those moments that I really wanted to say that I I just I had the biggest issue because that's a Bren Mark II. That's a box magazine. It's only holding twenty rounds. That thing is empty before it comes back around again. There's no way he's shooting it again after he picks it up. <laughs> it's a stupid complaint, but it's one of my biggest complaints about every film ever. It's like unlimited ammo. Let's go. Let's they get really? the guns wrong. Yes. Like, yes, the Bryn Mark II can have 100 rounds, but not with that magazine type. No. <laughs> okay. They were, they were pretty prone to jam, if I remember correctly, because of the way the magazine Yeah, they, they, had, a, they had a jamming issue, particularly the Mark II. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd, not, I'd like to welcome expert. you back to Guncast. <laughs> we're talking <laughs> about all the types of guns that you need to know. I, I want to say I'm enforcing a ridiculous stereotype right now because I'm the American on this podcast, and I'm talking about guns. <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. I was the Englishman talking about cricket earlier on. All right, we're in the stereotype <laughs> podcast. <laughs> All right, so he gets well, that. He we, gets we do have the obligatory girl, and then he's about to get impaled in the spikes in the second room. Yes, I that are electrified. I'm no girl. Okay, you know something I noticed when I was watching the, this. You know, as soon as that, as soon as you saw those spikes. Okay, first yeah. off. 
Those things are so closely packed together that he could just stand on them without a problem. Yes. Two, yeah. even electrifying them, they wouldn't do anything to the type of souls he's wearing. <laughs> but it provided for a dramatic effect. Yeah. It wasn't that dramatic. It was like two feet down and just could have like slid off into the basement. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Figure that out. Were oh, but say wait, they're mines on the floor, by the way. Yeah. Who puts yep. mines in the floor? What if you have to go back through? <laughs> Yes. Uh, that, sorry, Lynette, what, you were going to say something? Oh, no. <laughs> okay. I didn't mean to what? cut you off. I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. That's, that's what I was That's why we've got the pipe. Oh, oh, yes. Yes, of course. Yeah. The hotline, in case you couldn't tell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then when the candlestick makers, and we've got all the... Exploding uh, cyanide candles. So, yeah, the yeah, cyanide exactly. laced candles that explode when, when put out. Yes. Okay, is cyanide completely dangerous if it starts leaking? Doesn't it like affect you right away? Yes. yes. So you would. Uh, with with all of those being burning, it would have soaked through all the other rooms, and he would have started feeling it as soon as he came into the butcher shop. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> so okay. Also, you know, I figured they would do some sort of pun based on all of them, but they really yeah. only did the pun on the candlestick maker. On the names. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They, they, you know, like theme-appropriate traps, you know, like the, the butcher that could have had, like, a giant, like, knife trap, you know, the baker could have started, like, superheating the, the building. Now, now. Yeah. Just exploding candles. Exploding candles. Well, the, the, the butcher that kind of had, had a pun, you know, spikes, you know, you put meat on spikes and you twirl it, I mean, that's a bit of a stretch, but... Yeah, it kind of looked like a meat tenderizer, a little. <laughs> we could, we could draw. We could draw. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, so he gets out of that by blowing the candles up against the door. Which actually, that that's actually some pretty quick thinking, you know, yeah. considering he's supposed to be dying. But yeah. uh, wouldn't that have set off all the ones on the desk too? Oh, you know what? Absolutely. All the stuff behind him. Yes. Yes. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) But yeah, so he gets out of there and he's being fired upon by uh, Machine Gun. By by her in a German helmet with a Maxim gun. Okay. A World War I German helmet with a Maxim gun. This this is the scene that I, I, at this point, this is when this episode just went into ridiculous mode. Okay. At this at this point is why I decided this episode has just gone from reasonable to ridiculous. Okay. Because he comes out he comes out in the bulldozer. Yeah. She's still shooting him and somehow not hitting him. Yeah. And then she pulls out the grenades and then the Panzerfaust. Yes. This is just when it got ridiculous. Just now. What? Even more so than than before. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we'll so. say though they fit the music together pretty perfectly. Yeah. Well, how amazing was it that there was a sewer right there for him to climb in? Was that amazing or what? Yes. Well, I want to know how he got the lid off in time. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That um, set that sh- the studio set where she was was actually uh, reused from. Um, where did I write? Ah, the bell tower set from Checkmate was reused. Uh, for the Witchwood scenes, where Snodden uh, fired upon Number Six, 
with the Vickers Mark One heavy machine gun and the um, parent skip bazooka. You know she, you know she's nuts when she's yelling "wee" as she's throwing steel yeah. hand grenades at him. Yeah. Like but she wee! Loves him. Okay, you are officially nuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she loves him. Remember? But because because we're because <sighs> yes. reasons. Yep. Because you're a natural survivor. I'm a killer. Yes, because opposite attracts, and that's how this works. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so he so she blows him up with the bazooka, uh, only for him to escape by the sewer hose we've mentioned, and she he follows her to the helicopter, and she, they fly away. Yes, and okay, so she doesn't feel the weight of him on the helicopter. No, no, not at all. No. no. Okay. Because, all right. Because reasons. Because yeah. it's a and, and it's, it's a TV movie. Just go with it, as we said last week. Yeah, she yeah. doesn't have to adjust or uh, whatever you call it. Uh, Compensate or anything. Yeah. 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 No. Okay. Right. Especially on ultralight helicopter. Yeah. You know, Korea yeah. War era helicopter. Mm-hmm. But so we're back at Beachy Head again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many times are they going to use that lighthouse? Uh, yeah, apparently, and I've only just found this out earlier today, apparently they were so far behind filming this. <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> well, so, filming the, film, filming the uh, second unit inserts, it got pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. They were filming the final episode. Um, oh. When, yeah, when they actually were able to film the inserts. Oh, lovely. Yeah, I thought he. I thought they were going to go into a cave, and then we have to look over the mountain, over peek over the mountain, or peek over the hill to look at the lighthouse. And then I, I don't know. I just, why did they do that? So we knew they were going to the lighthouse, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all right. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Then we go. Then we uh, see the tunnel over the upset again. <laughs> Minus sixes. Yeah, minus the water. (laughs) Uh, And it leads into an underground cave set. And it's underneath the lighthouse. Amazing. And the, uh, in the background, actually, we see the, uh, they actually use the uh, gantry from the control room in the set. Um, So, yeah. Anyway, he's having having another round. And Napoleon. Yep. Yes. Because Which makes total sense, of course, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. We'll go with that. Yeah. Or something, something like that. Anyway, yeah. Uh, there wasn't. There was both. Uh, by, this, by this time the shooting began, the, the decision had been made to drop the German Nazi element. So we go from using German weapons to suddenly we're Francophiles. Oh, <laughs> yeah, because uh, everybody just... hates the French. <clears throat> yeah, that's what that's what that's why we saw the German weapons earlier in the episode because they, you know they're originally going to have a Ger- na- German slash Nazi element, which was dropped. Yeah, I can't imagine why. Uh, reasons? Yes, well, it was twenty years after the Second World War finished, so. <laughs> uh. So yeah, so he's having having a round. He goes up to the um, uh, what well, I'm assuming. Well, we assume at this stage is the lighthouse, and then we see Napoleon. Napoleon. 
Yes. Having a... Uh, no yeah. real reason. Just Napoleon. Yep. Out of yep. nowhere. Or Professor, Professor Snips, I should say. And, yeah, so... It says, it says, warning. You know, they enter the upper chamber, but what did they do there in the episode? Enter the upper chamber. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's having a... Sorry, then that. Go, 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 go. Oh, just, it's amazing that there's another hole for him to climb through to get where he needs to be. Mm. And throw some down. Yeah. So, yeah, so he, number six is starting to change all the bullets in the guns and doing some other bits and bobs. And then they, they set the rocket, they, well, they engage the rocket for the countdown. Mm-hmm. Yes, because right after they conveniently explain exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we have a fight sequence. And then. Sorry? That, was that what it was? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I think so. I think oh. it was supposed to be a fight sequence. Yes. Although the uh, three is greater than six rule doesn't seem to apply here. No, because they're French. Oh, oh. oh. No, no, no. I love how he's going through this plan about how we're going to take over the entire region. With what? Eight people. Yes. We're going to take over these entire regions with eight people. Yep. The armory is in the rocket, the rocket being the lighthouse, and we're going to launch the lighthouse at England with the entire armory in it. Do you expect that to survive? Because I don't. And then the fact that they're packing papers when they have three minutes left. Couldn't you have packed those earlier? Yeah, that's what I said. This plan is clearly not well thought out by the crazy scientist. Yeah, why why do you wait? Why didn't you pack them and put them on the boat like four days ago? Yes. So how <laughs> do you know. bring up a whole lighthouse to work as a functioning missile? Well, they, it, they, did say they've been work, they did say he's been working on it for 20 years. Well, the phallic symbolism is not lost on me, that's for sure. Yeah, sometimes a sword is just a sword, dear. <laughs> it blew yes. up. It did blow up. That's what that's what missiles do. Yes. <laughs> so they shoot uh, number six, but all their guns backfire. Because he's rigged them all to backfire. Exactly. Because even, even though they knew he was in there screwing around with their ammunition, they didn't bother to check beforehand. No. And, but he is caught by uh, death or Snips' daughter or Napoleon's daughter, depending how you look at it. And he's been told that the rocket is the right house. Uh, but he's tied to the chair using elephant rope. Elephant How, rope, yes. What, what exactly is elephant rope exactly? Because that, that just looked like, you know, regular, like, yeah, cord. I'd... Rope to tie down an elephant, maybe? I don't know. Why would you need to tie down an elephant? <laughs> what, what possible use could you have with a tied-down elephant? I answer the postcard, please, to anyone but me. <laughs> <laughs> Any of our listeners out there happen to know, please write us it. <laughs> yes, so he decides to, but he escapes by the by the age of time of um, pushing the top of the sea. Okay, okay, it's not elephant rope. It's actually mountaineering rope. Yeah, but she rope. says you could tie an elephant with it, which I sincerely doubt. But yes. I had to go back and, 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 and listen to what she said for a minute. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So, 
I like how he gets out as he's struggling to try and do the knots, and then he just stops and thinks and just lifts off the back pad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Obviously, you were you were not dealing with the uh, smartest of you know super geniuses. No, no. And he decides to do a few pull a few buttons, and he just and he starts to blow up the rocket. Because as we know. As we saw with the general, he is the antithesis of all the high-tech technology. Yeah. <laughs> and now just Dilly is dying downstairs, putting all the uh, papers in the briefcase. But he is escaping by the by uh, the great Tom owner tradition of mountaineering down the side of the lighthouse. <sighs> but um, Napoleon and his daughter escape. Sort of. Sort of, yes. But he he forgets that he's, he's left the gas on. <laughs> Did I leave the gas on? Yes. You're about to shoot this thing into space. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> yes, no. So they throw the grenades at him and uh, they backfire. And the lighthouse blows up. Or I should say a miniature of the lighthouse blows up. Mm-hmm. Like you do. Come on, and then we find out, after all, it's just a story. He's telling yes. some kids. Mm. Also, why are there kids in the village? Why have kids in the village? Are they spy kids? Uh, right, right. <laughs> they, they are spy kids, in fact. Yes. I do have we, an answer. We, we now know what happened to the spy kids. <laughs> we do. That's where they went. <laughs> I do have thing. an answer. I do have an answer. Okay, right. Uh, speaking to David Barrett, David Barry in the in the village issue number fifteen, summer nineteen ninety-seven. Uh, the writer of the episode uh, commented, uh, "Commented between us, we came up with a completely off-the-wall idea that he was reading a bedtime story to some children in the village. Children in the village? Whose children? Who cared? <laughs> <laughs> exactly." <laughs> Because none of it made sense anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we cut to... Uh, we see number two for the first time this episode. Hello. Turns out to be Napoleon. Yes. Yes. And his assistant it happens to be his daughter. Sonia, right? Yeah. Or something. Or, or death. something. <laughs> see, see, they're doing a reversal here because she's dressed in black when we see her now. She's only oh. ever been dressed in white before. Oh. Yeah. What does it mean? Yes. What is the symbolism involved here? So yes. <laughs> um, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to understand their plan here exactly. Okay. Okay. So, so they they've concocted this scheme to get six to look after these kids, right? Yeah. yeah. And the idea is that if he has to tell them stories, yeah, that he will somehow inadvertently tell them why he retired. That, yes. that, is, that is the plan, right? Yes. Yeah. Right. One, Six hates people. Two, I'm pretty sure Six hates kids by extension. Yes. Three, this plan is dumb. Yes. <laughs> We're getting Four. desperate here, John. We're getting desperate. What can we say? The village is getting desperate. <sighs> they, they have hot... They, they can push geometry into his brain to make him answer questions. It begs the question. It begs the question: If the villagers, well, if they're so desperate now, what are they going to do? We've got two episodes left. 
What are they going to try next week? Uh, a musical? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't had a musical yet. He's on to something there. Maybe <laughs> yeah. That's what the, yeah, maybe Full that's on something. the whole rock opera. Yeah, whole idea for What's More With Feeling came from. Yeah, it's exactly <laughs> No, I'm not, not going to go into a rendition I died many years ago. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> do it, Shade. No. <laughs> I, 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 do have, I do have the lyric songbook on my bookshelf. Just over... See it in the corner over there. But yes, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, does anybody have any other points before I move on into the um, uh, foreign translations? Um, no, I got nothing. No, I think I think I've gotten my rants out of me now. <laughs> cool. Uh, and uh, it, again, this was not dubbed into French. Oh, gee, I can't imagine why. <laughs> uh, Japan had it as a nursery tale. Okay. All right, that that makes sense. Uh, in Germany, it was uh, done as three, two, one, zero. Why? No. Uh, the uh, the rocket t- countdown apparently. Oh 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 okay, all right. Uh, in Italy, it was first known as Escape from the Dead Woman. <laughs> from the Dead Woman, right? Yeah, and then it was uh, done again into it's called the Daughter of the Crazy Scientist. Yeah, that's about probably the most accurate of the. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's there you go. So yes, if anyone has anything further to add, otherwise we will uh, take a break. I'm good. No, we're good. Enjoy the ads. Exactly. Ad space. Ad space. My name is Lou Setsma. I'm the one responsible. I introduced Karen to Farscape. She got sucked into the series big time. Now we're doing this podcast together. I've created a monster. Reviewing all 88 episodes and the four-hour miniseries. That's a lot of podcasts. At the end, will it be enough for her? It has to be. But the thing that scares me most... My biggest fear. ...is by the time we get to the end... Hope we can make it. Will the two of us still be on talking terms? It could get ugly. Good thing the journey is sure to be a blast. Lots of great scaper conversations. Captured in these chronicles, so you can know... The wondrous things that we've heard. Put on your leather pants and reload your pulse pistol. I'm on another planet. What the frell? I hate this stuff. Chicks love it. Can I get a hell yeah! It's my duty, my breeding since birth. It's what I am. You can be more. Escape Cast, your guide to the wonders of Far Escape. Listen to the Scaper Chronicles at scapecast.org. Uh, welcome back. Hopefully you enjoyed that ad, and please check back that podcast. Do it. <laughs> go check it out. Do it. In- do indeed. It indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Pause indeed. us. Go do it. Come back. <laughs> yes. We'll, we'll wait. We'll wait. <laughs> uh, but moving on to emails, and we have an absolute ton of emails this time around, uh, which is absolutely amazing. So thanks, everybody, for that. We start with uh, John's. And John writes... Uh, this episode was definitely a product of his time. If they remade the series, I have to skip this episode because it's too fantastic. Who would believe you could find someone to polish your shoes in a music shop so close together? <laughs> definitely filler, but it, de- it has a couple of good parts. I like the scene in the bar with the mess on the bottom of the glass. Again, very sixless. I also enjoy Six talking to the guy in, in the boxing ring and seeing the old sports cars. A forgettable episode that one can, uh, and one that can be skipped. Three and, 
Exploding Cyanos candles out of 10. Johnny Bella. Thanks very much for that, John. And we move on to uh, Harold. He's got Harold's email. I do. Excellent. All right, Harold, feedback for the girl who was death. When it began, I was wondering, what's with the storybook? Cricket? We're out of the village again. So is Six now working for the village? Or is this from before? Mind manipulation? Storybook version? Then he was wearing a Sherlock Holmes costume, and the mystery woman was making his car spin with her finger, and the possibilities started narrowing down. <laughs> These last two episodes seem to indicate the more running out of ideas for village plots. There's only so many times they can try to get Six to crack, or he could try to escape. I certainly don't mind seeing Six in a Western or more traditionally, if surreal, secret agent plot, but this isn't as interesting as a story focused in the village. So I guess I'm glad this was a limited run series. Maybe they should have done even less episodes. I also fail to grasp why the village expected Six to open it up in front of children, especially since he is aware that he's being observed at all times. I give this six different kinds of alcoholic drinks out of ten to be drank in quick succession. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm telling you, I'm telling you, they were the end of the production cycle and they knew they weren't getting the series too, so they came up with this. <laughs> Just throw it all at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. <laughs> and then also... <laughs> Uh, we also have an email, an incredibly long email from Nutty. I will, I will point out Nutty's doing a backlog of episodes with her review, so... She does. Right. So sit back, relax, and, and uh, enjoy. So Nutty sends her comments from several of our last episodes, starting with many happy returns. The theory that Aaron was talking about was mine, that the village was, uh, was what spies are sent to when they retire. Uh, they keep themselves busy so they can't defect or spill secrets. Although one of the episodes, I, all through the episode, I kept expecting him to find a way back to the village. Uh, when he met the Romani, I thought he was speaking the same language. Uh, I thought they were speaking the same made-up language the other lady spoke. Um, the one he smacked and showed him that the real booze in the cave, that one. Anyway, I kept thinking, just over the next hill, he'll see it. The next hill, okay, down the street... I was surprised when he got to town at all. Uh, when in town, I did notice that uh, he said he had two places to call, one in town, one in the country, but we never saw the one in the country. Hmm. I'm not sure the the guys he... <clears throat> excuse me. I'm not sure the guys he spoke to were in on it, but they likely were. There are comments for, it's your funeral. Why was number six even involved in this plot? It's so annoying. What did they hope to get? I noticed the pictures of the retiring number two were younger and older and, uh, sorry guys. Um, the retiring number two were younger and older pictures. Uh, was it, so what was this actor's someone special? Uh, I'm sure listening to the podcast will answer that for me. <clears throat> not sure if it did or not. Nutty. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, her comments for change of mind. Uh, how does number two and the others not see all the ways that number six has avoided the drugs? Also, number two is a misogynist. This number two, that number two, <laughs> particularly. Oh, yeah, probably. Hammer into Anvil. Uh, this episode was a lot of fun. It was great to see number six finally turn the tables. Uh, it didn't let him escape, but it gave him a dose of control, which I'm not, which I'm sure made him feel good. Also, we're all uh, we're seeing that the last few episodes, all the unused footage. Uh, yeah, all the all the reused footage used in It's Your Funeral. Yeah, we did, didn't we? 
can't predict. Do not forsake me, oh my darling. Okay, this was an interesting plot. So it wasn't about number six. It was about the, uh, but to get to the German scientist who number six helps to escape without any knowledge of the villain. Uh, I feel like it was, I feel like this was finally a solid win for six. He's getting the uh, better handle on things. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say that. Uh, living in harmony. Okay, so at first I thought harmony was the first village, and we and we went back in time when Six wakes up and sees everyone in the control room. Uh, I felt I felt <clears throat> excuse me. I felt bad for him because he lost so horribly. In the end, I'm not sure if it's a win, but it's definitely a big lose for number two. And finally, her comments for the girl who was death. This was odd. Are they running out of ideas for the show? It was fun but silly, and it got sillier as it went. So I suppose it's okay that it's a bedtime story. I have a hard time seeing kids wanting number six around. <laughs> also, the man-me doll in the kid's room, really? This was the 60s. Isn't it a little too late for that or what? Be seeing you, Nutty. Excellent. <laughs> Thanks for all that, Nutty. Yes. And uh, we have one last email from... Uh, Davina, and I believe in that you have that. I do, and this is from Davia Archibald, and it is, I didn't know if I should laugh or cry. This episode is so bad. <laughs> Hilariously, this is not the most hated episode in, in, in the community. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's what? Um, do not forsake me? Uh, last time we did it, would do do not forsake me in Living in Harmony with Tide. I, I don't know why. Living in Harmony is a lot better thematically than this one is. Anyway. Uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, if you want to send <laughs> us uh, feedback uh, for a final couple of episodes, you can email us at theprisonerintrocast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at uh, theprisonerintro. And we've also got a Facebook group, and you just search for In the Village of Prisoner Introcast. In the Village of Prisoner Introcast. Indeed, indeed. Uh, but now we are t- talking about our own thoughts. And then that, as you are the guest, you have the honor of going first. My so, oath? what do you think? It was ridiculous. I, I, I really, seriously think they were all on drugs. And and I'm going to have to agree with the theory that, well, we didn't get renewed. We might as well just do whatever the hell we want. So that's my thoughts. They tried to be really funny and campy. And, and failed. And failed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And Did you I have went... a rating for that, Lynette? Oh, sorry. Yeah, you are. Huh? Did you have a rating for it? Oh, oh, oh. We do a okay. 1 to 10 rating. Okay. We'll, we'll, I'll give this a 3 out of 10s. That's the hot pipe. Did you notice that? <laughs> <laughs> it's been, this has been so much fun to be on, though. It's been great. Oh, 3 out of, three out of 10. I think that's the lowest rating since uh, <laughs> what way back when. Uh, yes. All right. I think we've heard uh, we've we've heard my rantings and ravings throughout this entire episode. Uh, so I don't think I need to say anything more other than again Mel Brooks comedy slapstick routine, but not lacking the funny that Mel Brooks brings. Uh, okay. I'm gonna give it give it uh, I'll give it because in the end the, some it had some redeeming qualities, but not enough. I'm giving it five Bryn Mark fours out of tens that have more ammo than they should in them. <laughs> okay. 
And then John. Oh, this episode. Uh, um, honestly, with with the amount of double shots we have in here and the fact that they were filming with McGowan off doing Ice Station Zebra. Um, I, th- I think a lot of the last couple of episodes we've been seeing really show the um, what happens to a show like this when you don't have your front runner on all the time. Mm-hmm. But this, this this episode was ridiculous. It didn't go anywhere. The, the, the whole like Byzantine layered wanna plot that they want to do, it... It makes no sense. This is a solid two weird clown doll out of ten. Whoa! Oh, okay. And it falls to me. Uh, <laughs> I love this episode because it is so damn stupid. <laughs> Each his own, Shane. Yes. <laughs> uh, it's a uh, completely internetly stupid romp, but that's because I love it so. Um... But because it is so stupid, I can't give it a, high, a really high school because uh, it's out of place in the series. So I am going to have to give it probably a 6 out of 10 um, uh, boxing matches. <laughs> uh, so moving on to what we'll be reviewing next time. Next time. Next time. Indeedy. And... Next time, we will be talking about Once Upon a Time. So, what is Once Upon a Time, then? What is it? Um, we'll go with John said. If it's not a musical, we're disappointed. There needs to be a musical. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. a full-on prisoner rock opera. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we would like to thank, as always, the band Do Not Forsake Me and My Darling. Okay, let us use our music for the episode. Uh, we will be going out, not with our usual and theme, but one of, one of the other tracks. This one is uh, the music uh, that they created specifically for this episode. And it is actually my favourite Do Not Forsake Me On My Darling track. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as if you don't really want to check them out, it's do not forsake me dot com. Um, go over there. Both, uh, go over there. Listen to their stuff. Tell them that you sent it. Yes. All right. Maybe they'll um, finally agree to come on the show. Yeah, yeah. fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, yes, but uh, until then, and we review that particular episode, uh, we will say cheerio. So, say goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Be seeing you. Be seeing you.